Ah, yes. Good evening and welcome to episode six of Keeping It Real with Chuck, Ludie and the big fella. And, uh, well, I cannot believe that we are up to six episodes already. Absolutely flying by. We've had Paddy Dangerfield. We've had uh, Nathan Lyon, Chatty Sayers, Mark Leishman. Uh, The list of superstars is going to continue tonight. But uh, let's go to the phones and let's say a very good evening to... Yeah, Darren Chuck Berry, of course, all the way from Mount Eliza tonight. Chuck, how are you, big fella? I thought we had Glenn Maxwell on when you're coming out with that music. You're just persisting with it, aren't you, big fella? You keep going with it. But you know what? I seriously look forward to In this time of isolation, some people are doing it tough. I must admit, I haven't found it too bad. But I really look forward to Tuesday night because I know that we're going to get together and hang absolute shit on our special guest. I just look forward to it every Tuesday night. And any truth to the rumour that uh, you've got the kids and the wife at home now, uh, every time you kind of get up out of bed uh, each morning, you kind of come out well, to this now? Is that happening? Unfortunately. Unfortunately for our listeners, and we are building up, and thank you to our loyal listeners, we've built up a nice little crew over the last six weeks, and hopefully I'll add to that. Uh, Tim Luderman and myself, I know you'll introduce Tim Luderman, we, we have no control over what buttons you push, and unfortunately, <laughs> you're really starting to piss me off with some of your buttons, to be honest. <laughs> well, well, let's see if this bloke still loves his little intro. <laughs> All the way from Geelong tonight, Timmy Ludeman. How are you, big fella? Stewie, that is... Timmy's got to be one of the worst effing nicknames that you can get on the planet. My name's Tim, so just stick with that, thanks. It's a well, shocking would not, I, I must admit, I must admit, big fella, you would not want to be called Timmy. It is a shocking name. Timmy's like a little kid name. And as we know, Ludeman was born at 74 years of age with no hair. He's getting younger by the week. This is week six. He's now 41 years of age, Tim Ludeman, or Timmy, as you refer to it. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of pertinent that, uh, you, you know, you're kind of talking about Timmy because, uh, well, we've got oh, another no. very, oh, very no. special guest. Mm. See if this is a little clue. A little bit of Timmy Trumpet. This could nearly go for you too, Ludy. <laughs> that must have been. No, I got no idea. Ball, ball, <laughs> yeah, you don't get out to nightclubs anymore, uh, Chuck. That is for sure. But uh, we have got a very, very special Timmy on the phone. Uh, Ex Geelong superstar, just an all-round good guy. Play with the North Melbourne Kangaroos as well, and uh, we must mm. say a very, very good evening to Tim Bluey McGrath. How are you, big fella? Good gentlemen, how are you? Now, can I just can I just start by saying, Bluey, that uh, Chuck said to me that you wanted to go uh, by Timmy tonight. Is that right? Like, you, <laughs> is is this how uh, it's got to roll, or what? Now, I I did warn Chuck the other day that if <laughs> if if in this uh, little podcast we're doing, if anyone calls me Timmy. <laughs> I will hang straight up. Hang straight up. Well, listen. So the four four people that listen to this will be devastated. um... (laughs) Now, let's just get the jokes out of the way earlier, okay? Because I got this off South Park earlier. Oh, so that's you it. You are an idiot. Okay. You are an idiot. You are, an idiot. <laughs> are you still there, Bluey? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> hey, listen, in all seriousness, great to have you, mate. Uh, yeah, you had a wonderful career. Uh, you've worked alongside Chuck the last few years at uh, K-Rock, and that's where I want to kind of uh, take the show today. I want to find out what he's like behind the scenes because uh, we we know him in different kind of circles, myself and Ludy. But uh, tell us about uh, your relationship with the great man, Darren Berry. 
Well, just quickly, I heard in the intro uh, the the guess you've had on. So you've gone from the top echelon to C grade tonight. So um, now I'll I'll straighten you up with one thing. Um, I don't work alongside Chuck. He works beside me. So, um, I've been there longer. I'm the number one special comments man, and I think Chuck still calls the footy. Uh, obviously, when they're when they're playing, with at least two broken ribs to his right hand side, because every time he <laughs> says something stupid, I punch him. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is often. most weeks, boys. Which is most weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I, I know what it's like. You know, like I call local footy back here in the Hamden League, and we have an absolute ball. We got six hours in the commentary box. Some people probably think, "What the hell are they on about today?" But when you're six hours, you know, calling footy, you've got to make it a bit of fun, don't you, boys? And people don't understand that. And sometimes there's going to be little in jokes and things that are going on. But uh, that's what makes the day go by, and, and makes it so fun, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, all, all jokes aside, I've loved working with Chuck and all the other boys on K-Rock. It's, it's good to go. I mean, most of the time over the last few years, I get to see Geelong, but although they're my team, I get sick of watching them all the time. And you like to go and watch some of the other teams and you go to a game some weeks and it might be the bottom two teams and you're actually not looking forward to it, but they turn out to be good games and you see a couple of kids that you may not have seen before and it is good fun, and, and I mean, I'm only doing the special comments. The, the call is it's hard calling the footy, and, and they do a great job, really. Bluey, I Bluey, have to ask, uh, just, you um, go, you go, just, just, just while we're talking about the, the commentary stuff, do you have to put windscreen wipers on the glass with Chuck commentating? Because <laughs> otherwise, with his amount of saliva that comes out of his gob when he's talking, he wouldn't be able to see shit out on the ground. Well, I'm lucky. I sit behind him in a in an elevated seat, which is fine. But um, K Rock have had to employ uh, a young bloke who permanently washes the windows. He's got a squeegee going across the front of it, so the other boys can actually see the game, or they call it off the monitor. Listen, you idiot. This is actually supposed to be about Tim McGrath, not taking the piss out of me. So let's get on to his illustrious career. Or, in fact, maybe let's get back on to me then. Um, we'll be serious for a rare moment, Louis, because to our listeners who don't know you like we know you, and we've uh, we've had connections on the radio, and then they're alluding the big fella have had a beer or two with you down at the May races. We'll get to that before we end the show. But you started fairly humble beginnings in, in Dandy North, the Dandy North uh, footy team, and then uh, recruited down to North Melbourne in the under-19s under Dennis Pagan as your coach and played with some real superstars. Just tell us about those early days trying to make it, uh, especially as a young boy with freckles and red hair. <laughs> I was up against it day one, wasn't I, really, when it, when it comes to that. But um, I got invited down to North Melbourne in the pre-season uh, was the end, of, the end of 1985. So I'd, I'd only just turned 15 in the October and uh, invited down and pretty much, you know, a couple of weeks before the pre-season started, you know, just went for a couple of runs around the block. When you're 15, you're bulletproof, thinking, geez, I'm, I'm reasonably fit here and Got to North Melbourne, as you said, with Dennis Pagan, and, and how wrong was I? I had no idea what it was about. Um, my father used to take me in the car to North Melbourne, and uh, I didn't know what training was about. I had no idea. It was unfit. The training was brutal, and he didn't have to cut the list at all. The kids just left because it was too hard. And nine, nine I stuck it out. Yeah. yeah, keep going, keep going, sorry. Keep going, mate. No, I, I stuck it out. The first year was really, really difficult. And um, the the junior club I was at, North Dandenong, only had under-16s. And Dennis Pagan said I should leave. So I went and played at Noble Park in the under-18s. And um, that was my father's old club. And pretty much played under-18s footy at 15 and... I played in the ruck, which wasn't my spot. I got bashed every week, but um, it, it made me grow up really quick, and that foundation helped me down the track, I think. 
Ludes, I know you're going to go go with one in a minute. I just wanted to finish off that little start of your career because in 1988, and a lot of people don't know this, we always talk about it on K-Rock because it's sort of one of Bluey's claims to fame, but uh, he brings <laughs> it up most most weeks. But, boys, I don't know if you're aware, he actually won the Brownlow Medal of the under-19s, which is called the Morris Medal Absolutely. in 1988. That must have been a... At the time, Bluey, again, you know, I remember you standing on the dais. I think it was at VFL Park, and it was sort of like this beacon out in the middle, this red flame, and you had to do a lap uh, to accept the Morris Medal. That was obviously a great highlight early in your career. Oh, it was. Absolutely it was. And uh, in those days, I think only the coach and the team manager went to the, the night they had. And I was just at home. It was obviously leading up to our finals and in the under-19s and just got a phone call and I thought someone was taking the P1SS and, and then in the end I realised it was Dennis Pagan. He said, oh, you've, you've won the Morrish medal. I thought, what? I, I actually couldn't believe it. Although I had a good year, um, I wasn't thinking anything like that. I'd sort of forgotten all about it, really. But it was, it was great to win it. Absolutely it was. Lutz? Uh, I... I was just going to ask Bluey, just the you know the Dandenong North boys are pretty typically known as being the tough nuts of the comp, but from all the whispers I've heard, the Dubton lads had you covered with chucker up. They were, they were <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good point, Jim. Good point. So, so can I just can, so well, you used to played against each other at any point in time? Did you, Bluey? You and Chuck? Ah, uh, no, he's about five years older than me. Mm. Right, eh? Yeah, he's yeah, an absolute heavier, too. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> don't be silly. Don't be heavier. <laughs> no, look, I don't think we I can't remember it, but we were close. Like, Louis 49, I'm 50, yeah, and, you know, t- uh, Lou's just brought up that. It was right. I mean, Dandy North was a pretty sort of humble sort of place, but Dufton, where I grew up, I mean... Uh, Dandy North boys were very, you're right, Tim, a good research from you, very, very timid of the Dufton. When the Dufton boys hit Dandy North, it was sort of, you know, scatter out of town. Don't let him get away with that, Blue. He rebuked that, surely. Oh, no, I'm just, just waiting for him to finish. It's interesting what you say, the, the mm-hmm. Dufton North Dandy sort of rivalry, how, how Dufton, yes, they, they may have been tough and, and so was North End, but it's interesting how. In a contact sport, Chuck chose to go to a sport that has no contact. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bluey. And you need gloves and pads. I love like, it. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe, I think you, maybe they disowned you in Dustin. I think you have uh, absolutely nailed it there, Bluey. Don't worry about that. Mate, I want to ask about uh, the Halcyon days. You got traded to the Cats. Uh, I think it was at the end of the 89 season. Uh, Geelong really went through a, a good era. They come off that uh, losing uh, premiership that year to the Hawks, probably the best grand final ever. Um, what was it like at Catland? Because you had, you know, Gary Ablett, senior, Billy Brownless, you had some superstars uh, running around, Paul Couch, Mark Bairstow, um, Barry Stone. And what was it like uh, as a young buck kind of heading into that uh, that little uh, cattery? It was an eye-opener, that's for sure. I was lucky. Um, I got there at the end of the 91 season and... I was lucky enough while I was at North Melbourne, I became good mates with a fella who was originally playing for Geelong in Peter Baldwin. And when Geelong played in Melbourne, he used to catch up with Barry Stone and Billy Brownless for a beer. And I got to know those two. So when I got to Geelong, they were the only two I knew. And obviously, personally, they were the only two I knew. And I was lucky they they sort of greeted me, although I wasn't um, on their list for a, for a period of time after that um, they made me feel really welcome and some of those players you mentioned um, you know Bearstow, Couch, Hocking, Stone and Ablett the the list goes on you know Riccardi uh, just some great great players and although we didn't have the ultimate success we played in the era where we had we had a lot of fun we trained hard but socially, we enjoyed each other's company, and uh, like it was brilliant. It was a really brilliant time to be involved at Geelong. Right, enough of the serious stuff, boys. Let's get rid of that because we'll be turning the listeners off. They'll be thinking, "What is going on?" You made your debut, Bluey. We're speaking with Tim McGrath, former centre half back for the Geelong Footy Club. 
The major debut in 1992 for the Cats. Uh, everyone remembers their first game. Uh, <laughs> you, played, you played against Hawthorne, uh, one of the great powerhouses, and I'm sure you just eased into the game. They probably slipped you onto a half-back flank or a back pocket. Just tell us your memories of, of your first game up against the Hawks, Louis, please. <laughs> I think I might be part of this class action of concussion. I can't remember. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, if you can, just if you can't, Ludes, Ludes and I were talking about it today. It was against Hawthorne, and, and the coach kindly yeah. placed you on Jason Dunstall. And, you know, not a bad play to go to, the second greatest uh, behind the plugger. And you, you kept Jason quiet that day, Louis? Yeah, well, when I got taken off about halfway through the third quarter, he kicked nine on me up to about halfway through the third quarter. So just a lazy, um, a lazy nine. I think, I think from memory, if, if you went back, I reckon he kicked fourteen, and I reckon he might have kicked uh, four or five on Jeff Miles after that. So, um, oh, look, it wasn't a great start, and to be perfectly honest, I didn't expect to be picked for round one. I'd only just got drafted. Um, two weeks prior in the pre-season draft. Yep. And Blighty had told me after an inter-club game that he was going to draft me. And then uh, back in those days, when uh, other clubs come to watch training, it was open flatter who anyone could take in the pre-season draft. So Blighty used to hide me. I used to go and train away from the group with the great Bruce Dan Curvis. And... I'd play a game in the twos and some weeks I didn't play and I'd play, he played me in all the spots where I wouldn't get a kick, which was most spots. And <laughs> I, I come, come the second, other uh, last practice game, I played that, wasn't expected to play round one and, and they picked me and I was underdone and certainly in those days I, I didn't think I was good enough to get picked in that team, especially the Geelong team, the way it lined up and um, I Sort of came, came good. It took me a while to come good, but I will tell you a stat that no no one knows, or it's not in the record books, but it probably won't get broken, is that Jason Dunstall kicked his first goal and his hundredth goal. I mean, the same year. There you go. <laughs> That's a great, wow. great not trivia a, question. <laughs> not a great stat, but anyway, I'll go with it. Can you just... uh, big fella, I'm going to hand it over to you because otherwise I'll railroad. The truth is, he got recruited Geelong because let's be honest, Geelong, they have a real, they, they feel sorry for redheads. I mean, have a look at the history Neville Brun, Scratch and Neil, John Mosser, <laughs> Barry Stone. There's a lot of ugly redheads that go to Geelong, and that's why they thought, oh, we'll give the redheads another go. Lingy is Clean another well, well, I've got a theory. The I've got a theory on redheads, Bluey, and you might be able to help me out here, but I've got a business partner that's a real redhead. Uh, good man. Oh, I don't want to drop his name on here, but uh, I've got a... Is it Luke Cam? Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, you said it, not me. <laughs> but uh, he's hung like a rogue. And uh, I oh. reckon that God, when he was handing out the red hair, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm starting you guys a little bit back behind the eight ball here, and uh, I'm going to give you something just to go with that, just to help you through life. Is there any truth to that, Bluey? Because I'm a big, big thinker of these theories. I'll let that go through to the other two keepers. I'll, I'm, I'm not I'm not touching that. <laughs> That's what you just say. All you had to say was, yeah, you're spot on, big fella. You would have just been, yes. Oh. All I didn't think you were going there, Stewie. All those plays you did mention, some of them have been hit with the ugly stick, but, geez, they could all play. Oh, they were superstars. Absolute superstars. Uh, you just touched on Blighty. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, you hear so many stories about Malcolm Blight and uh, how eccentric and all that kind of stuff he was. You know, like stories about stopping the bus over the other side of the Westgate. Um, you know, I, I used to have a few beers and it was was pretty chummy with uh, with Couchy over the journey, Bluey, and um, some of the stories he used to have of Blighty were just uh, unbelievable. What's your best Malcolm Blight story? Oh, where do you start? How long have we got? Uh, I mean, <laughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, if it, if it wasn't for Blighty, um, there's no way I would have got as far as I did, that's for sure. I'll, I'll, he was the best coach I had by a long way. Um, the, best one, the best one was we played Adelaide the Crows in Adelaide at the old footy park. And it was a really, really big game for us. I'm not sure what year it was, but um, he treated it like a final. All week, he treated it like a final. And 
he made us um, run out in the ground early and line up like it was a final. And we formed the guard of honour for Adelaide to run out. And Nigel Smart and those blokes, they were absolutely giving it to us. Now, that didn't work. At halftime, we were about 10 goals down. We <laughs> come into halftime, the little coach's room was only tiny. Um, Blighty came in and he was going nuts and he turned the lights off. And all you could see was a tiny strip of light under the door. It was pitch black. He was kicking bins. He was, he was going off his head. And the light went back on. And the first two rows of players had their heads in their hand. They were ducking for cover. And then when the lights went on, they all sat bold uprights like a kid at school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious at the time, but no one laughed. He sounded like a freak, you know, like just some of the stories that you hear coming out, you know, back in those really halcyon days where you were so competitive, you were playing off in grand finals. What about Gary Ablett Sr., mate? Uh, just a freak show. Um, tell us about his training, that, because, you know, they, they, they reckon he wasn't the best trainer in that, but he'd just come out and just dominate whenever he wanted. Yeah, he's, I mean, like some of those superstars in years gone by, they're all a little bit different um, in a good and bad way, but um, yeah, Gaza. If there was a, a running drill on, like sprint, he was all up for that. Anything up to a hundred meters, he was unbeatable. <laughs> Anything over that, forget it. The handbrake went straight on. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Or he'd go in and do boxing, and bloody knew how to handle him pretty well. But my first year at Geelong, you know, I'm trying to do everything right and prepare well, and I'm really serious. And we got off the bus at the MCG one day and we walked into the rooms and uh, Gazza grabbed a couple of sangers and went and lied down with a blanket on a rub-down table and went to sleep. We went and had the team meeting and Blighty's going, where's Ablett? And they said, oh, he's out there on the rub-down table. He's having a sleep. So, you know, Blighty just left him and come out of the meeting and we're starting to get changed and not long before the warm-up and Gazza decided to get up. I'm thinking, this bloke, there's no way he's going to get a kick today. He's just all over the shop. Went out. I think we're playing Carlton. So he's playing on Silvani or someone like that. And at quarter time, he'd had five. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm not getting a kick. I'm trying to do everything right. He's just doing whatever he likes and had five on the board at quarter time. I said, oh, my God, what have we got here? Louis, he was the, he's the greatest player that I've watched play the game. Now, you played in an era with some greats, and I meant I took the piss out of you with Dunstall and Tony Lockett. Now, don't worry, we'll get to Wayne Carey before this interview's finished. Uh, <laughs> but was, was Gary Ablett Sr., in your eyes, someone who played 226 uh, at the highest level, was he the greatest player that, that you've seen play the game? If he wasn't, who was? Oh, I mean... Now, I get asked this a lot, obviously, but um, I still think Carey's the best player I've seen for the simple fact uh, when I rate players that I've played with or against, you've got to be the complete package. You've got to be um, a good trainer, obviously the good player bit. Um, you've got to lead well. You've got to be fit. You know, all, all the things that make a good You've got to be a good leader. And Carey ticked all those boxes. And as good a player as Gazza was, he, he didn't tick all the boxes in, in that regard. So well, that, 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 um, that surprises me. I'm interested in that answer. And I, and I probably should have known you would have said that because as we know, Bluey, at the moment, we're, we're all going through tough times with this coronavirus and there's social uh, distancing going on where you can't get within 1.5 metres of anybody. And <laughs> we didn't know when we were doing the research for this show that when you were playing on Wayne Carey, coronavirus was actually going around then, uh, Tim, because for about nine years, I think, you never got within uh, two of him. Oh, I had some good battles. It's funny you say that, but I think I actually, I've, the, the record's in my favour, 6-4 my way. I was actually going to say, you had some cracking duels, didn't you, you two? Oh, we did for a long time. And, and I played with Duck at North Melbourne in the under-19s. Um, actually, the year I won the Irish, he, he, he didn't get anywhere near it. So um, I have that over him for a start. But um, And you won the flag that, that year as well, didn't you? We did. Yes, we did. Yep. So um, 
I, I mean, I knew Duck for a long time. So the the first time I played on him, I actually asked to play on him, and that's sort of how the rivalry started. But I wasn't um, I wasn't daunted to play on him because I knew him and I sort of knew how he played. And um, I, I mean, all all those players in that era when I played were lucky. Oh, if you're a defender, you weren't so lucky. But um, every week you played a team who had one or two champions in their forward line. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't say that it happens now. No, Nowhere near it. I mean, if you played St Kilda, you had Lockett and Lowe. Played Hawthorne, you had Dunstall and Brereton. Um, you know, even played Fitzroy, you had um, Pert and Ruse. Yeah, Bernie Quinlan. Yeah, the, the list went on and on. Yeah. And <laughs> it was a great era. It really was. So... It's, um, it's pretty. Duck, it's been, Duck was a great player. It's been pretty amazing to watch some of these olden games too, boys, hasn't it? The last couple of weeks, so how free flowing it is, you know, like the ball just zips around. They play hard and physical. It's uh, it's kind of become a game of uh, you know, like basketball and zones, and that the last kind of ten to fifteen years AFL, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it it has, and if you look at the modern AFL player now, they've never been so fit or skillful. Any player now can just waltz around on the left or right and snap it around the corner. But Geelong last week posted a, a video, a small video of yesteryear, and it had Gary Ablett Sr. playing St Kilda at Kidinia Park, and he marked two in the forward pocket, now maybe 25, 30, maybe 30 metres out. On a pretty acute angle, he went back and just slotted two perfect drop punts through where now mm. no one would even attempt that now. They're just not. They're not good enough at having shots for goal like that. He's a freak, but Bluey. And again, I know I'm railroading it because I probably know you best, and and I'm so glad you've joined us tonight. And you've talked to me about this before, but I'd like you to share it briefly with our listeners, and then Ludie and and uh, Big Fella, you jump back in because we're running out of time. But you did play in three grand finals, and I'm being serious here. I'm not taking the piss because I know you've always said it doesn't define you, but the the do you think back to 92, 94, 95 and think, well, you know, three losing grand finals and, and I'm, oh, I am being serious, serious here. What, what do you think about those those times and do you really wish you had one on your on your mantelpiece? I suppose you, everyone would like to, to win one, but as I've, as I've said to you before, it doesn't doesn't define you. I get a bit sad to hear some players now who have retired and it really grates on them that they didn't win one. Um, mm. We're all we all see things in different light, that's for sure. But the the opportunity, um, I get asked a lot from people, what was the highlight of your career? Um, was it low light losing three grand finals? Good, bad, and indifferent. The, your whole career is a highlight. Have the opportunity yep. to play at the highest level, no matter what sport you play. Um, the the young kid next door. He he would do anything to have the opportunity I had. So yeah. to play in three losing ones, look at you know Robbie Flower, uh, Bob Skilton. You know, commonly said he'd give his three Brownlows back to play in a grand final. I mean, um, mm. that's how much it means. And to have the opportunity to play in three, it was was great. We learn a lot. Unfortunately, on the day we just weren't good enough. That's that's life. I don't I don't lay awake at night worrying about it, thinking about it. I'm just happy to wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well said. Ludie? Uh, yeah, I was just going to bring it back to the May races, to be honest. Louie, we've, we've heard enough about your footy career and the great player that you were, but I, I remember just wandering through the Gallywood Bar one day on an end-of-season trip with a few South Australian cricketers, and I was with Chatty Sayers, I think, at the time, and we were, we'd had a tip the couple in, I'm not going to lie. I'd, uh, I'm a big Geelong supporter, so I'd always run around with Gary Ablett on my back, Number five, you know, couch growing up where I, you know where I grew up out at Boggy Creek, and then I see Bluey McGrath standing in the corner of the the Gallywood Bar. Me and Chatty just <laughs> v-line straight to the great man to have a beer and a chat, and you had no idea who we are. Who's this bald little eighty-seven year old? But <laughs> I tell you what, we've bumped into a few a few a few times since at the May races. But uh, what's your favourite moments from the May races? What do you love about it? Oh, the whole thing's fantastic, isn't it? I, I mean, I, 
I go into rehab tomorrow because we can't go next week, so I'm, I'm not happy about that. But, um, Don't we all? Oh, look, for for a long time, um, my late father, he used to go with his, with his mates, and I promised him that when I retired from footy, I'd go. So the first year I went was 2004, and I think I've only missed one since. I think I've only missed... But just the... The people, you know, the, yeah. you see the same people year after year. Um, they're there for mm. a good time to catch up with mates. They come from all around Australia. Um, there's there's never any trouble. Everyone's there for a good time and a few drinks and a few bets and a few more drinks and a thousand more bets and we're betting on Hong Kong at the end of the day <laughs> and the whole bit. <laughs> but the, the people make it so good and you run into some people that you know their face, but you can't remember their name, but they're still up for a chat, and it's oh, just brilliant. It really is. I uh, I can remember Bluey, uh, Big Al, the Kelly mate. You boys used to like getting in there on a Tuesday and a, and a Wednesday Al. night. How good was Big Al? He'd get up on the bar and top. pump it out, wouldn't he? He held <laughs> court there at the, at the Kelly. He was fantastic. <laughs> and I do remember Big Matty. Uh, we jumped on a bus one night to go out to somewhere and you held court on the bus out to the Flying Horse, was it, out there one night? Possibly. We got stuck out there with you and DK Weir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times, I can tell you. And it's, it, it is going to be different. Uh, I'm kind of lucky enough I'm involved with Racing.com next Tuesday. So I'll be out there for the Tuesday. So I'm kind of uh, looking forward to it in that sense. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's going to be bizarre because all the jumps being obviously on the Tuesday and, uh, you know, like all on one day, no people up on the hill watching that magnificent grand annual. Uh, it's going to be a bizarre kind of atmosphere. But I'll tell you one thing. I reckon 2021 is going to be the oh. biggest May Racing Carnival ever, Bluey. Yeah, it will be massive. And, and Luders and all these mates from South Australian Cricket and Chuck, they're all coming back. Chatty say mm. they've got on him already. Um, get all them back. It's it, it'll be massive. It'll be strap your helmet on sort of stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> will. Hey, now listen. Uh, we do a quiz, mate. If you're up for it, uh, you're going to take on uh, Big Chuck Saka uh, in a uh, oh, no. a little six years. It's back to you, Chuck. And uh, I thought we were finishing off with me red red headed greatest ever footy team. We'll do that after. We're going to do that after. Going to be bluey. We're going to do oh, that no, after okay. the quiz, mate. All right. So uh, we've right. got six questions, Bluey. You're head to head with Big Chuck. This is to see who gets number one billing in the K box I'm tipping this year, big fella. Mm. <laughs> okay. And this is all thanks, I should say it too, we must give our sponsors a bit of a plug here, boys. Oh yeah, the all new Nissan Warrior. All thanks to Clinton Bolsh, got some magnificent end of financial year deals on two out of Clinton Bolsh at the moment, so make sure you look them up on Facebook, give them a buzz, tell them you're listening to the podcast and Bolshy will look after you. They are a magnificent motor vehicle, boys. Yeah, apparently you're enjoying driving yours, and Ludi and I are still waiting for ours. <laughs> so, ready. Uh, so I'll yell out, Chuck. Do you want Bluey to yell out, Timmy, for his buzzer, or what do you want him to oh, do? I don't want to, mate. You, Timmy, uh, t- <laughs> Tim. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Tim, Bluey, you just yell out whatever you want, mate. Your name is your buzzer, okay? Okay. Right, let's do this five-question quiz. Pretty simple. It's all around the Geelong Cats. Okay, so you oh, should no. be all over this, Bluey. Uh, question number one, and Ludy, you're keeping score here, big fella. Who is the Cats best and fairest named after? Bluey. Chuck. Yes, Bluey. Kaji Green. Beautiful start, Bluey. One. One zip. This is shit house because, again, you, you blokes, I was in first with the buzzer there. There's obviously a delay from the foot side. <laughs> Of the bay over to the bloody Bellarine side, oh. I knew that because Bluey finished runner up to uh, to Ken Hinckley in the Kaji Greaves. Anyway, go with the second question, and I'll just right. yell out earlier. Interesting, you said Kenny Hinckley. What number does Kenny or did Kenny Hinckley wear at Geelong? Bluey, chuck, 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 chuck. No, that was Bluey. Twenty nine. <laughs> Wasn't he a superstar too, Kenny? Of course, come down here and coach Mortlake and Camperdown uh, to a oh, couple Kenny of Kenny from Camperdown, love Kenny. He was an animal, mate. When he come down here, I was playing at the time, and he was filthy, Bluey, like dirty. Like he'd be elbowing and just behind the play. He was shocking. Uh, fair enough, too. <laughs> right, eh? <laughs> Score check, please, Ludes. <clears throat> That'd be two zip. 
big fella. Two's now, it. Big fella, uh, I know you've got to keep moving with this, but I'm just going, I'm going to listen back to this podcast. I haven't listened to any of the others, but twice I've got in before Bluey, and it's clearly not getting through to mm. Warnable in time. I know there's a delay. Go with question three. Yeah, um, no, honestly, when you listen back, you'll be—I reckon—you'll be surprised, Saga. Right, a question number three: How many year? Oh, how many uh, years did Gary Ablett win the goal kicking at the Cats? Bluey. Yes, Blue. Uh, three. What? <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> this is hang your head in shape. Big fella, big fella, did you did you say Nathan Ablett then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Ablett didn't play three games. <laughs> right, Chuck, do you want to have a go at it, mate? Free shot here. Saka's got no idea. I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven. Oh, you're closer than Bluey. It was nine. Nine, nine years. Nine times. Bluey, three. That is shame yeah. on you, mate. You would have played nearly every season with him. Yeah, but he finished in... Uh... Uh, yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nine three. it is two zip, two zip. Right, question number four: How many grand finals has Bluey lost for the Cats? Chuck Bluey. That was Chuck, actually. That was Chuck. Oh, thank oh, goodness Bluey. for that. Only because we spoke about it, and sadly, three losing grand finals. Uh, he did win a BFL Grand Final uh, in his last year as captain. We didn't get time to talk about that, but he nurtured some of the greats in uh, Chapman and Bartell and Gary Ablett Jr. But he played in three losing ones. Keep going. Yeah, keep keep going on about it. We're just really rubbing it in the Bluey there. <laughs> 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 right, right, next question. Who was Bluey's first AFL-VFL coach? Bluey. Yes, Blue. John Kennedy Sr. Perfect, mate. Well Ooh. done. Well done. Who would have thought, boys? John Kennedy, JFK Senior. And what a wow, superstar great, he was. And I think it's all I'm over, mate. I think it's all over, but we've got one more one more question to see if Saki can get on the board. How many goals did Gary Ablett kick in the 89 grand final? Chuck. Yes, Chuck. Oh, I had to let him have that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 actually, I actually don't know, so I'm going to have a oh. guess and say, <laughs> no. is, is it nine or 11? You're, what are you going with, big fella? Uh, I don't know. I wore 11 when I played footy, so I'll go with 11. <laughs> Nine of the best. One of the best Nine grand final one. performances you'll ever see, too. And, and Bluey, he's in the commentary box calling Geelong games, and he doesn't know questions like that. That is shame on Chuck Sarka. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit. Oh, I could imagine if it was Tony Lockett, he would have known. But yeah, correct. Uh, the great, the great Kazuki, one of the best games you've ever seen. That now, mate, you've won the Nissan Warrior for a week. Clinton Bolsh is going to send it down to Geelong, and uh, you can drive it around, big fella. How's that sound? Fantastic. I'll be able to make sure it's got a tow ball on it, so I can tow me work trailer around. <laughs> <laughs> hey Chuck, you've got a magnificent team you've come up with uh, of redheads yep. over the journey. Can you run through it for us quickly to finish the uh, Tim McGrath section here? The greatest redheaded in my time of watching. So there's probably if you go back a bit longer than that, there's some ones I would have missed. But so I'm sort of going from you know mid seventies onwards when I watched footy from the back line. Not a bad start. Brownlow medalist Brad Hardy. Full-back Dustin Fletcher. Oh, in the yeah. other back pocket, Ben Hart from the Adelaide Crows. Oh, that's a good oh, full-back line. Have a listen to the half-back line. Bluey McKenna from the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> what a star he was. Super star. half-back, yeah. which I thought about the other Bluey, but I thought, no, no. Justin Lepping. Can, just, can you not refer to them as Bluey, please? Because that's all of them. That's all Bluey Lepping. And then I'll, I'll slip me old mate. I'll slip me old mate on another half-back flank. Two hundred and twenty-six big ones. And as he said tonight, the greatest player that he's ever seen is Wayne Carey. The reason he said that, boys, did you then listen when he said, I think the score was 6-4 in his favour? Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of a mixed message in that sort of analogy. Uh, <laughs> so I've, got, I've given Bluey McGrath, uh, Tim McGrath, uh, and you know what, just because he's on the show, let's make him vice-captain of this uh, all-blood well nut 11. What a good backline. In all honesty, what a sensational backline. That's magnificent. I reckon it gets better. Have a look 
Have a listen to this centre line, Bluey of the Blood Nuts. Now, the first one's a bit controversial, but he, he was red. He was definitely red. You'll be, be kind of say he was strawberry blonde. Jewel Brownlow medalist. I think he's one of your favourites, actually. Keith Gregg on the wing. Keith he was Gregg. a strawberry he blonde. Was a star. The captain of the team for me, he's in the middle, one of the greatest I ever see play the game. Michael Boss is captain, and he's in yes. the gut. Yep. And to keep the Geelong flavour on the other wing, and I loved him when I was a kid. Robert Scratch and Neil. He's only the second ugliest man to play for Geelong <laughs> behind our guest tonight. So we've got Scratch and Neil on the wing. <laughs> how, how dare you? How, how could you not have nifty yes. Neville Bruns on the wing? I'm with you, Bluey. I was thinking, where's well, Bruns just, fit into this just team? Hold, just you, hold you, your you've horses. lost me. I'm hanging just up. Hold your horses, Bluey. <laughs> hold your horses. I, I might have given him a promotion. Hey, half deadline, <laughs> Dermot, Dermot Brereton. Uh, uh, Jared, Jared Roughhead is that his name? It's in our Ford from Lean Gaffer. He's a blood nut, and uh, one of my favourites. And the controversy again over his hair colour, but I can tell you, he is a ginger nut. Brendan Goddard on the half fourth flank. I tell you what, I can't do him. He's got to be sent out Ford, surely. Nothing against Ruffy, but gee, whiz, Dermy was a superstar. All right, now I'm open for debate. Listen, I was the my man yeah, Stone. Well, I've got, see, I, I knew this would create debate, and we're past nine o'clock already. Uh, the Ford line is uh, Darren Buick, one of our K Rock special guests. He was oh, a great guy. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Buick. good player. Yeah. Ford, I was struggling. I, I, look, I thought Barry Stone, but I thought, no, he's more of a centre Ford. Then I had Simon Beasley, and I eventually settled on the Carlton uh, blood nut, Lance Whitnell. Oh, a yeah. Bit of controversy good call. There. Yeah, no, I good, good call. Very Happy good player, Lance. Jeez. Oh, Lance Whitnell in the other Ford pocket, one of the most hated. We might talk about it, but what a great player he was. We can't deny it. Jason Ackermanis, uh, yeah. uh, red oh, nut in the pocket. Star. Yeah, talent. Yeah. Beautiful, both sides. Are, so that's a pretty decent lineup. The, the first ruck, now, I could have had John Mossop. I could have had Straub's O'Dwyer, yes. but I went for a good mate, a good mate of Ludie in mine. We're a bit biased here with our South Australia. We're, I've gone for Source Jacobs in the ruck. Mm-hmm. Quick question mark on that. Good player, but, uh, you know. Good player. Yeah. Now, try to win the Geelong listeners back. Ruck Rover, (laughs) uh, another ugly man from Geelong. Cameron Ling can can be the Ruck Rover. And if we need a tagger, we're going to give that job to Lingy. And the first Rover, you shitbagged me because I didn't pick him on the wing. I'll pick Nifty Neville Bruns as my first Rover in the Blood Nut 11. I reckon he's changed the magnets around. He was a good player, Nifty. He was a great player. And I reckon he's changed the magnets, yeah. Bluey, just to get him in. I don't even reckon he had him on the ground. <laughs> no, no, I, I had him in, in Rover. In a I think he was fourth emergency. <laughs> <laughs> just moved him up to the same bench. Adam Tony, Moorcroft, Steinem, and Straub's O'Dwyer on the bench. The coach is Norm Smith because he was the big red. And the umpire was one of Bluey's era, Kevin Smith, who was also a flame and red nut. That is a bloody good side. I'll give you I that, mate. Cannot believe, I cannot believe you, Bernice and Kilda support. He didn't have Jack Daniels in there. Oh, Jackie Daniels. Wasn't he <laughs> no, a talent? I thought, I thought about him, but it was his kicking <laughs> skills that let him down. Uh, David Saker once drove past him, my good mate David Saker, when he was a courier in his playing days for Victoria. Jack Daniels was walking down Burke Street. True story. Sakes wound the window down and yelled out, For Christ's sake, handball! <laughs> <laughs> Don't kick, The son. worst kick. The worst kick you've ever seen, oh. Jack Daniels. <laughs> Uh, that, that is a great side, though. That's uh, I was trying to kind of, uh, you know, before the show, kind of get my head around uh, some redheads, and yeah, you don't realise uh, how many superstars there were, were amongst them. And, uh, Bluey, you wouldn't mind running out with that team every week, big fella. It's fair side. You don't, as, you, as you rightly said, Matty, you don't, uh, you don't think about it too often. There's some pretty good players in there. Absolutely. Now, listen, Bluey, we're going to let you go, mate. We appreciate your time. Uh, fantastic to talk to you. Uh, you're a ripper. You're uh, one of the nice guys. That, as Ludie said, anyone can always bowl up to you. You always say good day. You've never changed. You've always been like that and uh, always been uh, really personable with everyone. So uh, we appreciate your time on uh, keeping it real with Chuck Ludie and the big fella, mate. Uh, pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me. Good See man. you, legend. Thanks, Hopefully Louis. you get back on the park with uh, the Geelong Amateurs. He's coaching the Geelong Amateurs women's team and doing a great job. So hopefully you get back on, Bluey, with the Whammos this year. Now, is that uh, Mate, so, is, big Faz, is Big Simon Farrell still president of the Amos? 
He's the president of everything. He's our super mayor, Big Faz, too. Actually, that's who we should yeah. get as sponsors, I think, for this show. Um, Big Marty Faz. Yeah, yeah. Shojan Concrete. Concrete. Uh, yeah, good him. man. He is an absolute superstar, Faz. Don't worry about that. Bluey, we're going to let you go, big fella. Uh, enjoy, mate. Hopefully you get a winner next week at the carnival, big fella. No worries, boys. Thanks very much. Great, Great stuff, boy. Thanks, Bluey McGrath, and a good get, Chuck. Really good get for you this week, mate. He's a ripper, Bluey. Uh, you, uh, you've done very, very well there, mate. No, he's a, he's a ripping bloke, and I mean, I take the piss out of him because we are we've only become good mates on K Rock Footy. And uh, as I said, and I've said to you guys privately, he was when when I was going through my struggles um, personally after the Philip Hughes stuff that we spoke about in our first show. Tim McGrath was the bloke that actually sensed it in me and he actually got me to go and see professional help. I'll be forever indebted awesome. for what Tim McGrath did and, and that's why uh, another reason why I love him. No, that's a fantastic story, mate. We should always be looking out for our mates. That is for sure. Boys, we've got a little bit more to get through in this podcast. Jerry, just, just You're on right, the Luke. back of that last week because I was meant to actually be up this week. If, if people tuned in last week, it was my turn, but I, I have got someone, but they couldn't be on tonight. So we're saving it for next mm-hmm. week. I'm, I'm hoping it's a good guest, but um, next week any we'll hints, see. Any, yeah, give any us a hints, clue. Luke? Any hints? Oh, uh, look, I, I think he's more important than ScoMo. There you go. Gee whiz. He's more pretty important big. than ScoMo. you got Trump. Well, you, you, I've got pretty good network, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, this is All unreal. Right, well, we look Gee. forward to that next Tuesday night. What else have we got tonight, big fella? Well, I want to talk about uh, a little doco that dropped uh, last week. Just have a listen to this. We want to keep this excellence going. Unbelievable! Done it again! Once you reach the top, where do we go from here? At some point, the team is not going to meet the expectations. <laughs> I like the way you think. What time is it? Game time! Oh, yeah, I love that. The hairs on the back of the neck stand up. And I'm um, talking about The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan uh, little documentary. It's a 10-part series. Uh, I know, uh, Chuck, you've watched it, big fellow. I don't think you have uh, yet, Ludie. Uh, how good is it? I've watched the first three, uh, big fellow. i watched the first two with my son. He loves basketball, and he's a Jordan, you know, again, a man that transcends across decades. Uh He's got all the Jordan stuff. He loves his basketball. So I watched the first two with, with him, and it got me in. And then last night I sat down and I watched the one that was really sort of Dennis Rodman flavour. Uh, and what an interesting story that was. So I'm, I, after the after tonight, I'm going to go and watch episode four. Yeah, unbelievable, Ludie. You've got to get on it, mate. Uh, he is the greatest of all time. You probably forget how good uh, Michael Jordan was, but when you see some of that footage, he just floats through the air. Like, I've never seen anyone that just can kind of hang there like he does. He's just a superstar. And the, the story goes, boys, you'll like this, but in 2016 when LeBron won another championship, uh, they reckon he had uh, all this footage um, you know, kind of stored away that he knew, you know, the boys had taken, um, you know, from back in the day, like back in the 90s, all the way kind of through uh, their six-peat. And uh, they reckon he went to the uh, the safe and said, uh, I think it's about time that I show these guys uh, how good I actually was and we do this little documentary. And that's how it goes. He had all this video footage that they'd done and uh, he went to the boys and said, let's, let's make this. Let's call it The Last Dance and away we go. Amazing story. Uh- it is impressive, and you get a real insight, obviously. And, and the, I enjoyed the little interviews with him sitting in his little uh, weekend. Though it's not a bad little shack he's sitting in doing the interviews most of the time in the first three episodes. Just made me think, uh, big fell with uh, with Rodman, Dennis Rodman. Obviously, he's a great defensive player, and his rebound work and throughout the, his uh, career. But he became very much a, an individual at the end of his career, didn't he? You guys, I don't know how much you know about Rodman, Ludes, but. What about a sportsman that we've known over the years that have sort of been great players but haven't quite fitted into the team environment? And and I probably picked one, I reckon, in my all all Red Nut 11 before. Yeah, Ackermanis would be the one that comes to mind, wouldn't it? Yeah, and he, I mean, he was Dad. a great player. And I've spoken to Alistair Lynch about him, and, and he said he was great to have in our team until, until and this was a telling moment, I think, and as a coach, I would agree with this, when, he's, when his influence on the field started to diminish, 
his off-field antics and the way that he carried on started to annoy people more and more. So you probably get away with it when you're at the top of the tree, big fella, and lose. Yeah. But if you're off your game a little bit, you start to piss people off. I was going to say, yeah, Luke, it's hard for you to probably comment, but like you know, to see the Rodman story, like I think when he had to step up to the plate, like when Pippen went down and wasn't playing, he had to step up to the plate, and he kind of became Michael's kind of two I see. Uh, he he did, yep. you know, and that's that was the amazing story, and that's why Jordan and uh, Pippen and those blokes got so much respect for him. It was interesting to see. I don't know whether you've got to it yet, Chuck, but when Pippen come back from injury, he felt like he was the third wheel, and he went right off the boil, and he come to uh, yep. Phil Jackson and uh, Michael Jordan, this is true, Ludie, and he went up and he said, hey, listen, boys, this is the middle of January. He said, I need a holiday. And Phil Jackson and MJ said, well, what do you mean? He said, no, nah. he said, I just need a break. I need, a, I need to go to Las Vegas. He said, just give me 48 hours. And this is a true story. They said, righto, you can have 48 hours in Vegas. So he hopped on a plane. Went to Vegas for 48 hours, hooked up with Carmen Electra, who was uh, Baywatch at the time, and uh, I think five days, and Michael Jordan actually flew to Vegas, walked into the uh, the motel room to get him out. Carmen Electra's hiding behind the couch with no uh, no clothes on, just the, uh, the old uh, Duna cover around her, and MJ brought him back. That is a true story. Yep, amazing stories, and that, that's about where I'm up to in it, in it now. Have you got anyone, Ludes, that from cricket circles uh, perhaps Cause, and it's probably a good segue to go to our next topic on the on the hubs in the AFL but have you got a cricketer or, or a sportsman Ludy that you I, think sort of fits the mind? I, I sort of when you brought it up there I had three people that spring to mind I think straight away I think of Nick Kyrgios yeah. uh, Chris Gale the universal boss in cricket but probably the big one that has probably been most well known around the world is probably Kevin Peterson and the fallout with the English mm. cricket team that was, yeah, that was pretty right. massive so I don't know um, Peterson or obviously you, uh, Gail, but you guys obviously have had, you know, seen them over the journey. So they were very much individualistic. Is that the right word? Yep. Very much. I so. think Chris Gale. Um, I think Chris Gale. Have you played with Chris Gale, Ludi, or not? No, I played against him. He actually broke my record. Actually, I'm a bit disappointed about that. But anyway, that's another story. What uh, the boldest man to play in the BBL? Nah, He's got a lot of him. Fastest. Fastest 50 in BBL history. You knocked me off the bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I think Chris Gale might be a little bit misunderstood. I mean, he made, he's made some mistakes, but from my dealings with him, he seems decent. I don't know. I mean, I've met Kevin Peterson a couple of times, mainly with Warney, uh, and always been affable when I've met him, but he certainly, unfortunately, alienated amongst some teammates. Greg Matthews was another one. Who, oh, yeah. Again, I mean, I love Greg Matthews, but... He probably tried too hard to be too different, I reckon, at times, and, and pissed, he pissed Alan Border off, I know that. But, I, I mean, Ludie and I have been in Mo's company, and I find him quite entertaining, and I love his passion. But the Mark Jackson, I mean, there's an individual yeah, who yeah, can't definitely. Me. great Jacko. <laughs> Absolutely. He was back in it's those long days. There has been plenty when you really think about it. But, you know, even uh, Jordan, you know, like just uh, the, the way he, uh, he told his coach, I can't remember his name, he's the first coach of the Bulls, and uh, it was his first final series, and he went up to him at three-quarter time, and he had chewing gum and, and all that kind of stuff around his mouth, and he said, Go get a drink, fix your mouth. I'm not going to let you lose your first final. And he went out and shot something like 16 or 20 points in a row in the last quarter, and they got the Bulls their first finals win for years. You know, they just they've kind of got that freakiness and the confidence to do things, haven't they? Yep, they're the expert. I think that's no doubt about it. I think that's it, Stu. You hit the nail on the head. They're, they're the guys who are willing to take the game on more often than not. They'll, they'll put their balls on the line to win it for the team. As, as big as an individual they are, they more often not get the job done because of that little bit of arrogance they've got. Now, do you know what, boys, what really got me going in that? Yeah, have you seen the Chicago Bulls, the opener? Um, you know, like where they come out onto the court and all that stuff, Chuck. And Lou, you would have seen it over the years. Got that theme song that they come out to. It really gets you up and about, doesn't it? And what Adelaide I mean, that style. Yeah. But it's not it's yep. not like that. You know, they come out and it's like that music. Dun, dun, dun. Well, listen, I've done a little... Oh, this is going to go, to be honest. It could be very, very ordinary. But uh, I've done a little <laughs> opener with our guests that we've had on. Okay, Chicago Bulls opener only because I've always wanted to be the voiceover person, a bit like Craig Willis, uh, and I wanted to give it a bit of a shot. So have a sit back and have a listen to this, you blokes. Apologies, listeners. <laughs> Thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for your South Australian Redbacks. Starting off in the point guard position, number 33, Darren Chucksaka Berry. The other point guard, number 36, Paddy, the real deal, Dangerfield. Number 10, reminds me a lot of Dennis Rodman, Timmy, sure hands, Luda man. What about number 11, also playing in the guard position, Chatty, small hands, Sayers. And ladies and gentlemen, let's be upstanding for the greatest of all time, number 23, Nathan, Goat, Gary, Lion. Let's hear it for your Australian <laughs> Always want to do that, you blokes. Jill, uh, you need to get a day job. <laughs> Always want to just get that little on-court announcing gig. You know, the Seahawks and Mermaids here locally in Warwell just doesn't cut it, but that Chicago Bulls, doesn't that get you flowing? Uh, I didn't brilliant. think it was that bad, actually. Uh, that it was wasn't bad. that bad. <laughs> No, no, like good, very, very, very good. You just got too much time with your hands. Now, listen, <laughs> let's talk about AFL hubs because, uh, well, if you're listening to the news and you're listening to all the football shows at the moment, it sounds like AFL footy is going to get back going. Mm. And the talk, Ludie, is that at the moment, and this could change by the time we do our show next week, but they are saying they're going to have two hubs where eight, ten teams, nine teams, two nines, whatever it's going to be, are going to be centralised isolated in one hub. Now, the talk is Melbourne for one and southeast Queensland for the other. Forget about that. Ludie and Big Fella, I want you to tell me where the AFL hub should be and why. You must tell me why. You go, Ludie. Well, it's funny you should bring this up, Chuck, because I actually got off the phone to Gil today. I gave this time <laughs> a call and thought I'd just voice my opinions to the, to the great man. Um, and, and I come up with two. And I know you only want one, but I've got two. And you'll hear the reasons why. Well, the first one is Kangaroo Island. Now, this is a serious oh, issue because obviously, obviously it's secluded, but it was burnt out. So let's help the economy rebuild over there. There's no footy it's, grounds over there. There, there is. There is. Oh, but it wouldn't be AFL standard. You've got to have a certain no, level. It's not. That's, that's the issue. So one, I wanted to focus AFL should put back to the community and get to the fire ravaged regions where they can actually help them oh. build the economy. But my second, like my second one, which is actually a bit more research, Port Lincoln. Port wow. Lincoln. Port Lincoln? What was Dean Lucan? South Australia, detached. <laughs> Dean Lucan, Maccabi Diva. They've played Tony footy games there. Yep. The Crows have played Port Adelaide down there in the last three years, I believe, in a pre-season game. And it actually has the most millionaires per capita in Australia. So it is got, it's got the setup to be to house these teams. <laughs> Wow, we're, just, we're hitting the millionaire central, are we, big fella? That's and just... I tell you what, Gil was pretty kind. He took it on board. <laughs> hey, I, oh, I, here we go. I actually Port reckon Lincoln. Port Lincoln and bloody Kangaroo Island. Uh, Kangaroo Island is a beautiful spot, Stuart. You laughed. I tell you no, what, I'm not joking. I, I am not saying the, it's, have you ever been there? I am not saying it's not beautiful, but you've got to have facilities and you've got to make it easy. They've got to play games uh, close by. What are we going to ship them across oh, and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, you can I'll ship them the between there and Port Lincoln. It's, it's a very short drive. Have you heard of uh, two words I'm going to drop to you right now? Ruby Princess. We ain't going near boats, <laughs> you two blokes, okay? We are keeping <laughs> our players away from boats, okay? It's Where are you? You're taking us, Stewie. I'm taking I'm you. Warnable is not on the list. I'm taking you to a beautiful part of the world. Why don't we just go down to the RACV at Torquay? Magnificent facility. It is a huge facility. Lots of rooms. They've got a magnificent pool, a magnificent gym. They've got a golf course. You're only a short drive up the highway back to the G to play. Get down to the Torquay RACV, boys. Simple. Well, they might be, I reckon there is talk. I have heard talk of the RACV Torquay and the other one at Cape Shank as maybe two possible venues. We're speculating, but you might be just onto something there, big fella. I like it. And, and look, I'd love to see one in Queensland too. I just think the weather's beautiful up there. The, the players would probably be uh, itching to get up there, you know, like just 
this time of the year because it's going to get a bit colder down here. What about the talk? And, and Saka, I want you to say what you think, but what about the talk of uh, the advantage? And I see it's come out on uh, social media today. Uh, West Coast and uh, South Australia and uh, Queensland clubs aren't allowed to uh, start training early because of the restrictions have been lifted to 10 people gatherings. The AFL have come out and said, no, 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 you're not allowed to do any of that. Uh, it's going to be a level playing field. I thought I thought that was uh, amazing. Ludes? Yeah, it's interesting. I suppose the question begs is why isn't Victoria keeping up with those, those states, I suppose. That's the question that pops straight to mind. But anyway, that's that's something for Daniel Andrews to sort out, I guess. I think we would have started yeah, a level playing field, don't we, Chuck? Yeah, I would have, I would have thought so. Um, two that I'd throw up. Uh, we're going to take the game internationally, Dennis Rodman style, and we're going to have a hub in Vegas. <laughs> I, heard, uh, I heard funky Colin Miller uh, on another podcast. Since we've started our podcast, so what I do, I listen to other people to try and get good ideas. Funky Cole Medina was a guest, so he could be one down the track for us guys. I say this because he lives in Las Vegas. So we could go there. Funky Cole could entertain. Dennis Rodman could come over. Could you imagine nine AFL teams in Vegas? They'd be on the end of season trip. Oh. My, my serious one, serious one, boys, I'd go to Darwin. Yeah. And why? The, yeah. the weather's magnificent. Great setup. The weather's magnificent. They've got the lowest rate, I think I'm correct in yep. saying, in Australia for the COVID. So yep. there's another tick. Facilities, Ludi, you and I know, Marara and the Gardens Oval up there, fantastic football facilities. I've hosted games before. Yep. So for me, a serious one, I'm going to Darwin. Yeah, fair call. And I, and I reckon Good that shout. is certainly uh, one of the places that's been mooted, that is for sure. So I think even the pubs might have even uh, might be even opening uh, pretty soon back up in Darwin, which is uh, huge. So hey, if, if they're not if they're not open up there, Stewie, someone will open them, I can tell you. How's the nightclub names in Darwin? Monsoons and uh, shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Cracking joints. I spent two of the greatest years of my life, Stewie, in the off-season uh, when I was early 20s. I played cricket in Darwin because they play opposite seasons, obviously, up there. Uh, and fantastic, good standard of cricket. Back then it probably wasn't as good, but two of the greatest times I had six-month periods Worked for a landscape gardener. I was not quite as unhealthy and fat as what I am today. So I was shirt off, mowing the lawn, <laughs> going to cricket training. I tell you what, it was a life experience. A lot of people go to England to play cricket, and I did that as well. And I tell you what, that's where you do get fat when you drink and eat lots of curry. But Darwin, for an off-season, any young listeners out there, do yourself a favour and get up there. Yeah, I can just see you with a coconut oil uh, shirt off, oh, big fella, just... Yeah, just pushing that mower. Hey, listen, we're nearly out of time, but we can't go without uh, a Timmy Ludeman uh, impersonation. And uh, to be honest, Ludes, you've done the Tiger King last week. Not some of your best work, mate. We had a bit of feedback just saying uh, maybe uh, Joe Exotic wasn't some of your best work. So what do you got for us this week, mate? Um, I've got I've got a commentator for a, bl- a bit of a blast from the past. But first, it, I've just got to say this is brought to you by TNF Cricket my uh, lovely bat sponsor that I do use because they are a great bunch of people at TNF. Good on you, guys. And also X-Golf. Once once everything opens back up, get into X-Golf because they are good people too. But the impersonation I have got tonight is Max Walker. Oh, big Maxie. Maxie, tangles. Right, here we go. Yes, and welcome back. Welcome back to Wide's World of Sports. Today we'll be catching up with Chuck Looney and the big fella. All that and more coming up after this short commercial break. <laughs> Not bad. Did you get a little job tonight, mate? Nah, it's very, very good, mate. You are brilliant at it. Make no mistake about it. Uh, we're into about your Joe Exotic, but uh, the rest of them have been sensational. Hey, boys, uh, thank you once again. Been a fantastic show. All thanks to the uh, Clinton Bolsh Nissan Warrior. It is a magnificent ute. Make sure you go and uh, get online. Have a look at Bolshie's cars. Got plenty of cars there, and they have got some cracking end of year or end of financial year sales as well. Um, righto, boys, that's about it for tonight. Uh, well done, big fella. We promised ourselves we wouldn't go over an hour tonight. Apologies to our listeners. We've just snuck over the hour, but I think that's because we had uh, Tim McGrath on for probably a good half an hour, and hopefully p- uh, listeners to the podcast enjoyed it because 
was a bit bit more serious tonight than normal, but we still managed to take the piss out of him a bit, didn't we? <laughs> Absolutely, we did. And don't forget, like, subscribe, and uh, share the potty for us because uh, we are. We're getting some really good listenership on this podcast. Chuck Ludy, the big fella. We'll see you next week, boys. Here's a little bit of Sophie Tucker to go out with tonight. <laughs> Me levanto comigo, eu falo comigo, eu